welcome to the last episode of series four of the general War mechanisms the bcs uh, podcast as you know i speak to people that make it good for society i've got some interesting angles for members and today i'm going to speak to felix ryan so first of all hello felix hello how are you doing yeah i'm very well thank you how are you all right excited about this Okay, good. Well, now, Felix, um, some people might recognise your name because you wrote a couple of chapters of our pen testing, a manager's guide book. So you have a fairly long association with BCS. Indeed. Yes, that was quite a while ago now. It was indeed. So uh, first questions first. Um, I'm going I'm to call this, by the way, quid pro quo sort of podcast, because what we're going to do is plug your podcast. And I want you to give <laughs> the members an idea of of what processes you've been through and how you found doing podcasting. Um, w- before I ask you a question, I'll get around to it, don't worry. Um, this is uh, series four of the General Mechanisms podcast. BCS had quite a few podcasts about 12 years ago that we used to do, uh, right, at the, uh, right at the outset of them, and they were great fun to do at the time. Now they've really exploded, haven't they? So tell me, how did you get into podcasting? Well, that's a, a good question. Um, well, actually, it's been a bit of a, an interesting ride, really. Uh, I, I've not been podcasting for a huge amount of time. Um, I, I decided, actually, that uh, one of the things I wanted to do was try and uh, make it uh, make it possible for people to understand what I do uh, for a living mm. uh, in a bit more depth. And um, and I, my, my career has been has been quite uh, interesting, to be honest with you. I've, I've enjoyed an awful lot of it. Uh, I started off life as a, a penetration tester or pen tester. And, uh, and that's been uh, eye opening in an awful lot of ways. But over the last few years, I've been gradually more and more specializing in embedded systems. Uh, and it's, it's an area of of the world and, and specifically of penetration testing that doesn't get brilliant coverage as far mm. as like educational resources are concerned and that kind of stuff. There's there's a reasonable amount out there, but uh, because of the varied nature of podcasting, it, it just sorry of the varied nature of, of penetration testing of these embedded systems, um, the kind of there's an awful lot lost in that in that process of turning into something educational. Um, so yeah, here I am trying to, to do uh, what I can to, to help people out a bit and, and increase people's awareness and enjoyment of this subject. Uh, and so now I do short little episodes about um, you know, whatever I found at the time and, uh, and get on with it. Uh, uh, hopefully they're, they're of use and of interest to people and, and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, I mean that's really interesting. So first of all, let's give your your podcast the name. I, I know it's got a name. It's you've got a hat bat, is that right? That's the one. Yes. Uh, uh, born out the idea of you know, there's an awful lot of things out there that need hacking. Let's go do it. <laughs> Absolutely good. Uh, exclamation mark at the end. I should uh, make the point. <laughs> um, uh, Felix, uh, I'd be interested to know a little bit more about the specific areas that, that you're involved with with the embedded systems. I, I'm guessing that it's not quite so widely known because it's not so easy to get into embedded systems to hack. Would that be right? There's certainly some specialist uh, barriers to entry, that's for mm. sure. Um, the, the fact is that embedded systems are all around us. They have been for, for so long um, and, and people don't really think of them as computers. Uh, you know, certainly the general public, they think of them as magic black boxes that do a thing. And and that that means that they're everywhere, you know, and uh, like like today uh, I, I've used uh, an e-bike that's got an embedded Bluetooth stack and all sorts in it. Um, I've used uh, door locks that are RFID uh, enabled. Um, there's CCTV systems, there's sat navs, there's your phone. And then 
everything else that goes with that as well. So it's all the infrastructure that is behind it, uh, which was is kind of more traditional penetration testing, but there's a, a cyber physical effect there. Um, and and that's just the tip of the iceberg, really. Uh, I mean, mm. cars, medical devices, uh, building automation, uh, industrial control systems, uh, you name it, there's probably a computer in there somewhere. And it's about those little devices. Um, there's uh, some wonderful stuff around, um, like a, it's almost a bit of a meme, if that makes sense. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a cultural thing where there's a, a a quest to find the weirdest thing to get the computer game Doom to run on it. And and this has been achieved <laughs> on all sorts of things. I mean, obviously Raspberry Pis and stuff, but pregnancy tests, um, Coca-Cola machines, you know, all of those really? vending type machines, all sorts of things have played Doom in their history. And and so that's one of the kind of the lovely things you can do these days uh, with so many different systems. Yeah, very interesting. So I presume we would maybe turn these things generally as, as the Internet of Things type objects. Is that the sort of things that we're talking about? Yeah. And, and you know what? This this kind of naming scheme doesn't really work very well uh, because mm. then you've got the industrial Internet of Things. But that's also known as in, uh, industrial control systems or ICS. Yes. Uh, and then you've got OT or operational technology, which kind of covers a whole remit of, of random things, which is why I call it embedded systems is because, well, actually, it's it's a smaller resource constrained device. It probably has some RF capabilities and, and you know, all sorts of other things, but it covers all of those. Yes. Um, yes your, your smart fridge and uh, all sorts of things. It also covers it. Yes. The things like uh, computing at the edge or edge. I don't, did we still call it that edge computing? That sort of thing. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've not heard that term used in a while. So maybe no. is the answer. But yeah, that's <laughs> one of my little interests, to be honest with you, the way a lot of these expressions change and morph. Uh, over time but uh yeah we, we probably i don't know that for a while but it came straight to mind when you when you talked about those uh those devices so yeah. um w- what sort of um things do you uh um pick as subjects then I-, I would imagine that there are certain toolkits that maybe you talk about that people can pick up off the dark web that can do some of this yeah. testing do, do you go to that sort of extent so to be honest I, I'm not sure I've picked up any tools or any techniques and knowledge off the dark web for ages. This okay. is all stuff that is is actually it's it's out there on the Internet. It's just it's a little bit obscure, a little bit difficult to find. And mm. um, inevitably, there's there's toolkits for you know a particular type of, I don't know, real tech chip or something like that. But there'll be a subtle different variation that that tool doesn't work on uh, for, for whatever reason. And, and so you end up in a position where you have to make your own or adapt an existing tool. Um, mm. So it's, it's an incredibly involved process. Um, it, it's, um, yeah, crikey, you, you can find all sorts of things. Um, there's also the the fact that you need to understand that there's hardware interaction that's required for, for penetration testing of embedded systems or any sort of hacking of those. Um, mm. and, and and that's that's kind of a skill base in its own right. You know, being able to do micro soldering and uh, uh, understand that actually you need to interface with a serial uh, port or a JTAG port or something along those lines. So you kind of there's a lot of physical knowledge that you need to have there before you even get to the firmware and the software. And, and maybe there's a, a web application on the device or something like that that you then need to spend some time looking at. Um, so there's there's many layers in a, 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 an embedded system penetration test before you get to the, the really juicy stuff. Is that where the interest is for you? Because I'm, I, you know, I haven't picked up a soldering iron for a long, for a long time. I, I remember using one, and, you know, PCBs and, and all the rest of it. But I suppose, and you forget, don't you, sometimes that computers are actually objects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 
I had uh, the the fortune of having a, a grandparent, uh, my, my granddad, he um, he did all sorts of stuff around metalwork and he taught me to solder at maybe the age of five or something like that. It was very, very early on in my life. And so I've, I've always had a bit of an affinity there. Um, I actually decided to go and get a, a formal qualification, uh, certification recently uh, to kind of just double check that I had the theory correct and that what I was doing was the most optimum way of doing stuff and, and help reduce the number of times that I, uh, I might damage a part in the process. Uh, just right. like get the, the professional uh, perspective on things. Um, but yes, I've, I've got some fairly sophisticated soldering kit here uh, that involves a, an IR bed and some heat guns as well as the, the traditional uh, soldering iron and, and various bits that go with that. Um, so yes, I, I really do enjoy that that process. Um, I, occasionally, I'll end up uh, like getting someone to X-ray a component for me and all sorts of things uh, to be able to pull out some some little hidden detail that's is kind of useful. Uh, so there's so many different ways of attacking the hardware, uh, and some of them are are less useful than others. Some of them are very very specific to circumstances. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting, and, and that's just one side of things. I love the radio frequency work too. Okay. Um, uh, so you've got all the usual like Bluetooth connections, Wi-Fi and that kind of stuff. But there's so many other protocols that most people forget about or don't know that it even exists. Mm. Uh, there's a whole gamut of uh, protocols uh, around the IEEE 802.15.4 uh, spec. So Zigbee, Z-Wave um, as, as kind of the biggest names in that space. And, and they mm. are really interesting. And the uh, implementation of those uh, can can be quite fragile. Uh, it, it falls to bits fairly quickly. Uh, but when it's done well, it's done really well. Um, so it, it's kind of the devil's in the detail with so many of these things, but they pose significant challenges from a, an enthusiast uh, like myself mm. uh, to, to go and have a look at. I mean, the last time I heard Zigbee mentioned was with regards to uh, sort of health systems that were monitoring older people in their homes, those sorts of um, yeah, sort of, that's not the sort of thing you want people to be able to hack, is it? <laughs> Certainly not. No. Um, so uh, in, yeah, I don't know, in your average modern office, you've probably got Zigbee sensors. You've got, uh, you know, like occupancy sensors specifically, but you'll have thermostats. Um, there's some lifts that use Zigbee as part of the, okay. um, the sensor network that's in a, a, the average lift these days. Um, and then you've got uh, door sensors, all sorts of other things that go with that. Uh, but smart meters, uh, we've got loads of them in the UK and they mm. um, have small Zigbee devices that go with them for the, the home area network and the, the little in-home display that you get there. Uh, that, that's, that's Zigbee underlying all of that. Um, uh, so it's, it's really prevalent. It's everywhere. Okay. It's, uh, I didn't realize that myself, to be honest. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I have to learn more about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's coming down to listening to your your podcast, I guess. Yes. Uh, but yeah, thank you for that. It's interesting. I mean, tell us a little bit. So, you know, a lot of members listen to, to this particular podcast. Obviously, that's sort of one of the reasons that we do it. Um, and uh, a lot of people are members of BCS because they're interested in pursuing, uh, you know, furthering their career or maybe moving into a different area. So I suppose two questions on that. First would be, um, do you view this as a, a sort of burgeoning career area because of the explosion of embedded devices? Would you recommend yeah. that as a thing to pursue? So I'm uh, what probably should be described as mid-career pen tester, uh, okay. as far as like my own status, and and I've specialised in this area because. Um, 
because I find it particularly interesting. Um, from a like commercial point of view, um, there's not an enormous amount of work in this area just yet. It's a very specialist thing, and mm. uh, and that's that's gradually increasing. What I've seen is more and more people are are saying actually we need to pay attention to this, uh, and that's as more uh, more systems get integrated with it um, and there's uh, more dependence and reliance on these these little devices that float around us um, and and so yes as we're getting more and more devices uh, there is, is clearly going to be a, an interest increase there there's also been a change in uk law which means that this is uh, getting quite a lot of like regulatory um, attention as well uh, mm. and as a result uh, people are starting to go yeah all right we need to we need to make sure we're not in a position that we will get banned from selling our devices in the uk for instance which is kind of the the ultimate stick from the, the law's perspective um, yeah Interesting. Yeah. So the, the related second question then, uh, as promised, is if people are thinking, actually, this sounds like something I'd like to move into. How would you recommend that they would go about that? Is, is it just starting off with a general interest in security and getting a few qualifications under your belt? Or? Well, OK, so that's uh, difficult to answer in a lot of ways, because from a, a penetration testing point of view, there's loads of different certifications, qualifications you can go and get from a, a specialist penetration testing point of view. Um, that uh, they don't really exist. There's kind of smatterings of, of qualifications out there, but they don't tend to be, uh, you know, here's one to go and get. And there are some online courses that you can do. Uh, and, you know, what I, I do think they're probably not terrible things to do, actually. They're quite good mm. fun, if nothing else. Um, whether or not they prepare you for a career doing embedded systems pen testing is, is a different matter. Uh, and that's because of the, the variance of kit that's out there and the fact that those courses can only cover so much. Mm. Um, so what I like to, to suggest is to, to people to go and get some bits of kit and then start playing with it buy that stuff yourself and you've got to be really careful from a legal perspective that you're not uh, breaking the law the computer misuse mm. act or, or whatever applies in your region but um if you can get some kit then you can start dismantling it and start with that physical side of things straight away yeah. uh, and, and get to the point where you're uh, you know familiar again with the soldering iron is a really good place to start but all sorts of different elements to that like understanding uh jtag is the example i gave before is, is trying to get your head around that and, and gain yourself copies of the firmware uh, so that you can then start looking at uh, you know can I can I do some debugging on this with Ghidra or you know there, there's various other different tools uh, there to be able to find the exploits within those devices themselves so yes um, yeah. bit of a, a long career path to, to pick up if you've not already got penetration testing skills it's a huge learning curve um, okay. really great fun but you've got to have time to do that yeah absolutely so not necessarily when you could just sort of move across into it that's a fair answer anyway that's fine not everything needs to be like that does it but, uh, yeah so unfortunately that is the case in this one yeah yeah no that's that's fine uh, you, you're talking about uh, soldering lines and, and and opening up hardware and that it reminds me of when i was a kid i used to get all the all the uh, resistors out of a out of an old device and put them in by their homage you know it's different little pots and but there were some things you couldn't even touch i think it was cmos um chips wasn't it that if you touched the pins they were basically ruined is it moved on much from that i mean i'm talking quite a long time ago here yeah absolutely so um i i guess cmos and and like uh, storage so flash storage chips there's there's a series of them uh, that are really really common um they're not quite as delicate to to heat as they were back when i think you're describing uh, which is is <laughs> kind of the main it. concern <laughs> well i don't know about that but uh the i i guess the 
um, the challenge is still there. You, you need to be able to use the right kit and, and be quick and precise with your actions to not break stuff. Um, there's actually there's some solder types which uh, have I I'm pretty sure these must be quite new because I've I found out about them a couple of years or so ago um, and they're they're really low melt temperature solder uh, and what you tend to do and it's a bit uh, a bit blunt really but what you do is you you take this special solder which is quite expensive uh, and you smother the chip that you're trying to get off with this low melt solder and what that means is the solder that's already on there which is higher melt temperatures mm. um, reduces overall to a much lower temperature which makes it much easier for you to be able to uh to cover all of the pins in one go and therefore be able to lift the chip off um and that's that's a a, a bit of revelation for me frankly because i i destroy far less uh, far fewer chips now knowing that mm. than i used to um but uh it, it's a bit messy and it can sometimes bleed over to, to, to components that you don't necessarily want to touch but it's sort of it's good enough for the job unless you're uh, unless there's only one of these devices in the world in which case you probably want to be a bit more careful yeah, but, uh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'd never even heard of um of that low temperature solder, so that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. thanks for sharing that little tidbit with us. So, um, one thing I'm getting because I'm seeing you in person, although this is audio only for the audience, of course, is that you are very enthusiastic about this sort of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> I, I do appreciate you putting that into into it. Uh, how long have you been working in this area now, Felix? Give me a rough idea. Um, so I've been doing penetration testing uh around 11 years formally uh, i've been doing like security engineering for several years before that and i did uh, quite a lot of security work around web applications for many years before that i've been breaking into stuff uh, since i was at school though um in in fairly light format really when i think back at it now it's not like modern hacking is but mm. uh, it was still kind of misuse of computer systems i did get caught but uh, that's another story altogether um <laughs> the uh as far as the embedded system stuff um I, I really started moving into this maybe around five or so years ago properly uh, and now I try and do as much uh, embedded systems as I possibly can get away with uh, in a given year. Yeah cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, so I hope the the audience have benefited from. I've certainly benefited from your enthusiasm. I learned some stuff already today. <laughs> um, the other thing I'm um, I'm going to just ask you as well um, is who have you found inspirational or or useful in your career uh, m m might be somebody sort of well known might be not you know what this is uh such a difficult question to answer because um there's been so many people there's there's a certain small group of my friends who we I, we stay in contact a lot and and i find those individuals incredibly inspiring because they're always posting about new techniques or look what i've i've done overnight and mm. that kind of stuff and uh and, and really gives me that whole um imposter syndrome feeling i don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with that but oh, it's yeah. so yes. prevalent in uh, in this industry um, uh and and it never goes away uh, but aside from from those individuals uh I, I, there's you know what I've, I've really enjoyed um listening to um or rather reading uh the the kind of the post by Bruce Schneier um you may or may not have come across oh him, yes but yeah he's been around a very yeah. long time mm. famous for his cryptography but does um sort of deeper and more meaningful conversation pieces around security topics so I, I really enjoyed that stuff um uh, over many years now um who else is there uh I um 
you know, I'm not sure that it, uh, there's anybody in particular from an embedded systems point of view, uh, because it's still quite a, a, a like a, a young space, really. Um, yeah, I, I've met really, some... I can't think of any famous embedded systems people, to be honest with you. But... <laughs> well, you know what, there's sort of there, there's people who are around who are semi-famous, if you will, okay. and, and semi-famous in the industry. So you already yes. have to know about them, to, you know. Uh, so there's a couple of people like that uh, that I've, I've had uh the the great fortune of of doing their course or uh i've um you know just listened to them on a a, a podcast or you know something similar over the years um and uh and everybody i've come across who does this uh has that level of enthusiasm i i, I really appreciate you've described as me having it's it's wonderful <laughs> um if, for what it's worth i am regularly told that i talk too quickly uh so i i consciously have to slow myself down a bit but um the, the the fact is that everybody who does this sort of thing is is doing it because they love the topic and i find that in its own right just so inspiring uh it makes me want to do more um and life takes over and you know gets in the way a little bit but uh it's it's great <laughs> to see so many wonderful people doing this sort of work oh that's excellent uh, uh, yeah it's really a uh, nice comment felix i mean one of the reasons i like being in it journalism which i've been doing for 22 years myself is speaking to folks like you that are enthusiastic about it and are trying to make a difference and that's that's just i mean as B, at bcs we think that's cool anyway right of course we would but Absolutely. um you know uh, thanks ever so much for speaking to us today i'm just going to give your podcast one more plug you've got to hack that exclamation mark and you can check that out <laughs> on spotify and apple and uh, uh felix it's been really interesting speaking to you today thanks for taking the time to talk to us oh, thank you um i i'd love to hear more if there's ever an opportunity and we can do some more.